Hello. Hello. Welcome to Infinite Cast, uh, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Talk about the entertainment. <laughs> we just watched uh, RRR last night on Netflix. The uh, the so good Indian film. Uh, now that's a picture. What a picture! Uh, in addition to everything that you might have heard about it, the uh, outstanding action, the epic length, the uh, racism against British people. Very good. Uh, the other thing I'd like to point out is that it just has a little bit of everything in it. You know, uh, action, uh, epic heroism, romance, mm-hmm. lighthearted dancing, brutal violence. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just like... It, it's got it's got something for everyone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's an entertainment. Run, don't walk to the failing Netflix. Yes. Uh, which seems to now only rely on uh, foreign movies and TV being good in order to have any pull at all. Yeah. Unless you're a Stranger Things fan, I guess. Which, sure. You know, when they first started doing it, they really... Um, the the innovation of dropping a whole season of TV all at once groundbreaking. was groundbreaking and impressive, but I think they really fucked themselves with that one. Because think about something like Stranger Things, just plopped. They're at this point their most highly anticipated beloved show, and it's four season just plopped all down at once. Yeah, think about how much more discussion about Stranger Things, and there was already a lot. Yeah, would be happening if it was spooled out week after week, and you could actually see the people who are Stranger Things fans because they'd be like tweeting like oh my god i can't believe that happened yeah no i thought i th- i thought the whole thing was that you know what 10 years ago at this point um would you say it's 10 10 10 or 11 years ago when was oranges the new black 2011 2012 like 2013 20, 20, 20, 20, it was like all this is all right around when i graduated from college um i thought we we figured it out that they tried it it had its its definite merits. It was different, and people talked about that just because it was different. And then I like there's all these other places who are just doing weekly things, and it builds week to week, mm-hmm. creating buzz. That by the end mm-hmm. you get a much larger audience, and then you get the tail runoff. Look at something like Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets is a perfect example. Which if they had blocked just all of blocked that, all at once, people there'd be like a few like people a being like, "Hey, that show that happened. No, it's already leaving. That show was pretty good. Well, no, wait, you should check it out. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, Bye. yeah." Um, you just you know, to me it's net, Netflix is all like it's all air, right? It's yes, all it's, yes. what is what is a stream? It's just uh, it's just oh. energy. Yeah, just change the energy, bro. Yeah. Um, the real the real problem is like the labor practices. Yeah. How cheap? How 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 are all your shows getting made? Well, uh, I think everyone's the, getting treated very poorly. To segue back into the book now. Yes, please. <laughs> what D- DFW DFW uh, recognizes that entertainment will kill us, but he doesn't recognize the that at least 50% of entertainment is talking about the entertainment talking about with it. your friends. Yeah. Or writing cryptic notes uh, and going gradually more insane in your recliner, um, blowing your, uh, your job with pension and uh, your relationship. Yeah. That guy would just, that guy would just be a TV blogger. Ew. All right. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Still in the same time, time period and zone. After Stice and Condenza split the first two sets and Hal dashed into the locker room at the break, to put Calerium brand eyewash in eyes that were bothering him, and Delint made warped crashing sounds on the tears as he walked down the bleachers and over to have a word with Stice, who was squatting against the net post, holding his left arm up like a scrubbed surgeon, <laughs> surgeon and applying a towel to the arm. Delint's place, up next to Helen Steeply, was taken by female prorector Thierry Poutrincourt, freshly showered, long-faced, a non-U.S. citizen, 
a tall Quebecer, former satellite pro in rimless specs and a violet-ish ski cap just enough of a shade away from the journalist hat to make the two the people behind them pretend to shield their eyes from the clash. <laughs> the putative newshound introduced herself and asked Potrincourt who the heavy-browed kid was at the end of the top bleacher behind them, hunched over and gesturing and speaking into his empty fist. James Trolch of Philadelphia is better to leave alone to play the broadcaster to himself. <laughs> he is estranged and unhappy, Potrincourt said her face long and cavern-cheeked and not terribly happy-looking itself. Her slight shrugs and way of looking elsewhere while speaking were not unlike Remy Marath's. Uh, when we hear you are the journalist for shiny perfumed magazines of fad and trend, we are told to be unfriendly, but me, I think I am friendly. Her smile was rictal and showed confused teeth. My family's loved ones are also large of size. It is difficult to be large. <laughs> Steeply's pre-assignment decision was to let all size references pass as if there's some uh, some ability to screen out any reference to size or girth originating possibly in adolescence. Your Mr. DeLint certainly held himself aloof. DeLint, when we pro-rectors are suggested to do a thing, he asks to himself only, how can I perfectly do this thing so the superiors will smile with pleasure at DeLint? Potrincourt's right forearm was almost twice the size of her left. She wore white sneakers and a Donnay warm-up of a deep, glowing neutron blue that clashed hideously with both their caps. The circles beneath her eyes were also blue. Why the instructions to be unfriendly? Potrincourt always nodded for a while before she replied to anything, as if things had to go through various translation circuits. <laughs> she nodded and scratched at her long jaw, thinking, You are here to make publicity a child player, one of our étoiles, which takes us to uh, end note 273 stars, shooting stars, falling stars. <laughs> uh, back to the text. One of our twelves and Dr. Tavis, he is how you say quantified, quarantined, suspicious, guarded. No. Confused, torn in a quandary. A quandary is how, because this is a good place and how is good better since before the present. Perhaps now he is etoile. A shrug, long arms akimbo. Hal reemerged from Comad and, ankle brace or no, displayed a slow, loose thoroughbred trot past the pavilion in bleachers and to the gate in number 12 southern fence, acting as if unwatched by people in bleachers, and tapped two of his big-headed tennis rackets together to listen for the string's pitch, exchanging some neutral words with Delint, who was standing with Stice at the edge of the transom's shadow, Stice breaking into a half-laugh at something, twirling his racket and walking back to serve as Hal retrieved a ball along the north fence. Both players' rackets had large heads and thick frames. Thierry Potrincourt said, And by nature, who does not wish the shiny attention that the magazines with cologne on their pages say this is étoile and Field Tennis Academy, it is good? I'm here to do a soft, inoffensive profile on his brother, with Hal mentioned only as a part of an American family exceptional in several respects. I don't see what's qu quandri quandriacal for Dr. Tavis about this. <laughs> the tiny, plump, officious man who seemed to have a phone tucked under his chin at all times. The kind of frenzied over-cooperation that's a technical interviewer's worst nightmare for an interrogation. <laughs> the little man's monologue had done to Steepley's brain kind of what a flashbulb does to your eyes. And if he'd explicitly denied him access to the brother, then the denial had been slipped in after he'd worn steeply down. 
There was the slight shaken saw wobble of bleachers as DeLint walked back up, stacked charts against his chest like a schoolgirl's books. Uh, his smile at the Quebecois player in his seat as if he never met her before, settling in heavily on Steeply's other side, glancing down at where the profiler bracketed notes on the possible sounds a string hit ball sounds like in cold air. Cut, king, ping, pawns, pock, cop, thwa, thwat. The Samiz.Entertainment's director's other son chipped a return <laughs> that caught the tape and sat there a moment and fell back. Veux que nous nous parlons en français, serait plus facile ça. This invitation, beca- because Potrincourt's eyes had gone hooded the minute the Delint person joined them. <laughs> Potrincourt's shrug was blasé. Francophones are never impressed that anyone else can speak French. This is true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very well then, look, she said. Potrincourt did in Québécois. Pubescent stars are nothing new to this sport. Langlin, Rosewall... In AD 1887, a 15-year-old girl won Wimbledon. She was the first. Everett in the semifinals of the U.S. Open at 16, 71 or 2. Austin, Jaeger, Graf, Sawamatsu, Venus Williams, Borg, Willander, Chang, Treffert, Medvedev, Esconha, Becker of the AD 80s, (laughs) now this new Argentinian Kleckner. It's amazing that several of those names are still in the game. Yeah, I know. Med... 25 medvedev still medvedev? plays yeah 25 years no it's like 20 it's like 28 years they must later be, yeah teen- teenagers then yeah steeply lit a flander fume that made delint's face spread with distaste you compare it is like gymnastics figure skating competitive to swim potrincourt made no comment on steeply's syntax just so then good steeply was adjusting the long peasant skirt and crossing legs so he was inclined away from delint gazing as a, a kind of translucent mole on Potrincourt's long cheek. Potrincourt's thick, rimless specks were like a scary nun's. She looked more male than anything, long and hard and breastless. Steeply tried to exhale away from everyone. The world plateau tennis not being required to have neither the size and muscle of the hockey, nor the basketball, nor the American football, for example. Potrincourt nodded. But yes, nor the millimetric precision of your baseball's hitting, nor how the Italians say the senza errori, the never-miss consistency that keeps the golfers from true mastery until they have 30 or more years. The pro-rector switched for just a moment to English, possibly for Delin's benefit. Your French is Parisian, but possible. Me, mine is Québécois. <laughs> Steeply now got to give that same sh- sour Gallic shrug. You're saying to me serious tennis doesn't need of an athlete anything already ad- adolescents do not possess if they are exceptional for it? The, medicinist, the, the, the medicinists of sports science know well what top tennis requires, Potrincourt said, back in French, too well, which are the agility, the reflexes, which takes us to end note 274. Potrincourt uses the nuc idiom réfléchis instead of the more textbook reflexes and does uh, indeed sound like the real Canadian McCoy, though her accent is without the long moany suffixes of Morath. And but anyway, it is for certain that a certain journalist will be emailing Falls Church, Virginia on the USO's clipper-proof line for the unexpurgated files on one Potrincourt Thierry T. Mm. Mm. Back to the text. Is this the first time we were meeting Potrincourt? Yeah, she's been referenced, um, but she has not been uh, described or uh, interacted with in any way. Okay. She te- she's a pro rector, so she does the, some of the tennis, and then she also teaches weird classes. Yeah, we'd have I believe she teaches to... about Canadian separatism. Oh, okay. 
And that was the class that I think we'd have to go back to like four or four hundred pages ago to figure in that one passage where they say all the what all the teachers teach. Yes, and also I believe Struck was plagiarizing his essay on the culte de prochain train for Poutrincourt's class. Okay, great on Canadian separatism. All comes together. Coming together. Back to the text. The short range speed. The balance, some coordination between the hand and the eye, and very much endurance. Some strength with particular importance for the male. But all these are achievable by the period of puberty for some. But yes, but wait, she said, putting a hand on the notebook as steeply started to pretend to inscribe. The thing you have put as the question to me, this is why the quandary. The young players, they have the advantage in psyche also. The edge of mentality, steeply said, trying to ignore the boy speaking into his hand several seats over. DeLint seemed to be ignoring everything around him, engrossed in the match and his statistics. The Canadian pro-rector's hands moved in small circles out front to indicate engagement in the conversation. Americans' conversational hands sit like lumps of dough most of the time, Remy Morath has pointed out once. But I, yes, yeah. I have conversational hands. I try. I try. I think it's good to d- gesture. I've, I've honestly mostly doing the Italian uh, pinch. I I've honestly uh, spent so much time making fun of Trump for doing the little okay hands mm-hmm. that he like zips across that I've just started. You started doing, them, doing them. My, them myself. It's funny, but yes. So the formidable uh, mental edge that their psyches are still not yet adult in all ways. Therefore, so they do not feel the anxiety and pressure in the way it is felt by adult players. This is every story of the teenager appearing from no location to upset the famous adult in professional play. The ephibic, they do not feel the pressure. They can play with abandon. They are without fear. A cold smile. Sunlight blazed on her lenses. At the beginning. At the beginning, they are without pressure or fear. And they burst from seemingly no location onto the professional stage. Instant étoiles. Phenomenal. Fearless. Immunized to pressure. Numb to anxiety. At first. They seem as if they're like the adult players, only better. Better in emotion, more abandoned, not human to the stress or fatigue or the airplaning without end to the publicity. (laughs) The English expression of the child in the store of candy. (laughs) (laughs) Seemingly unfeeling of the loneliness and alienation and everyone wants a thing from the etoile. The money also. But it is soon you start to see the burning out which the place like ours is hoping to prevent. You remember Jaeger, burned out at 16, Austin at 20, Arius and Crickstein, Esconha and Treffert too injured to play on by their late teenage years. The much-promising Capriati, the well-known tragedy. That's who I think I was referring to a few episodes ago. I was like, which which was the American that burned out and she ended up getting like arrested for shoplifting and then and she that's did Capriati. I thought it was Jennifer I thought it was Jennifer Capriati. Whatever. I can look it up for real. For real, for real. Pat Cash of Australia, fourth on earth at 18, vanished by the 20s of age. Not to be mentioning the large money, the endorsings and appearings. Always so for the young etoile, and now worse in today, that the sponsors have no broadcasting to advertise with. Now the Ephib, who is famous, etoile, who is in magazines and the sports reports, Odisque, he is pursued to become the billboard who walks. Use this, wear this, <laughs> for money. Millions thrown at you before you can drive the cars you buy. The head swells to the size of a balloon. Why not? But can pressure be far behind the back? Steeply said. Many times the same. Winning two and three upset matches. Feeling suddenly so loved. So many talking to you as if there is love. But always the same then. For then you awaken to the fact that you are loved for winning only. 
the two and three winds created for you, for people. It is not that the winds made them recognize something that existed unrecognized before these upset winds. The from no place winning created you. You must keep winning to keep the existence of love and endorsements and the shiny magazines wanting your profile. Enter the pressure, Steeply said. Pressure as such as one could not imagine. Now that to maintain, you must win. Now that winning is the expected. And all alone, in the hotels and the airplanes, with any other player you could speak to of the pressure to exist, wanting to beat you, wanting to be uh, exist above and not below, or the others wanting from you, and only so long as you play with abandon, winning. Hence the suicides, the burnout, the drugs, the self-indulging, the spoilage. What is the instruction if we shape the ephebe into the athlete who can win fearlessly to be loved? I hate that you keep saying ephebe. Ephebe, I know. Yet we do not prepare her for the time after fear comes, no? Therefore, the terrible pressure here. They are being tempered, oven toughened. Hal served wide, and this time followed it in, the serve, taking a stutter step at the service line. Tennis really is the only 1v1 sport in in that in this big of popular I'm trying to participation because even right. golf which is individual it's you play you play like you know i don't know like 10 15 20 people play the course at the same time and you're just trying to get the, to the top yeah and then running running races it's always slightly yeah. more people um you know i'm thinking i'm just running through my olympic sports i'm like bobsled you're kind of competing against yourself because you're the only one out on the because i was thinking about what you're saying about you know you're alone in the tennis in the hotel room and the only person you want to talk to would want to beat you mm-hmm. because like any other thing, like if you're on the PGA tour, you know, there's a bunch of people there and you're all kind of competing against each other. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as like ruthlessly one V one and any other sport is a team sport where yeah. you have other people on your team. Yeah. I have a theory of sport that I worked out in college that I want to pitch. I'm, I have to try yeah. to remember it uh, at the end because sometimes I forget. But I, I would like to come back to this. Yes. And and pitch you on it and, and see if you agree. Okay. Ew. Stice's... Yes. Ooh, did you have something No, no, no. Just say? go. Stice's body seemed to elongate as he reached and got the stick up over the return, driving a forehand. Hal volleyed it too short and took a couple steps off the net as Stice came in, winding up for an easy pass. Hal guessed a direction and started to his left, and the darkness chipped a lob right over him and hit the heel of his hand against his strings as Hal gave it up halfway back, Stice not rubbing it in, but exhorting himself. Hal's sweat was way heavier than the Kansans, but Stice's face was almost maroon with flush. Each player twirled his stick in his hand as Hal walked back to retrieve the ball. Stice took his position in the deuce court, pulling up his socks. Still smart for Hal to follow the serve in a game, uh, follow the serve in once a game or so, Delint said into Steeply's ear. And irritating throughout was the heavy-browed, red-nostrilled kid James Trolch at the very end of the top bleacher, speaking into his fist, coming at the fist from first one angle and then another, pretending to be two people. Incondenza, the controller. Incondenza, the tactician. Rare tactical lapse for Incondenza, following the serve in when, uh, in when he's just finally started establishing control from the baseline. Have a look at Incondenza, standing there waiting for Orthostice to finish futzing with his socks so he can serve. The resemblance to statues of Augustus of Rome. <laughs> the regal bearing, the set of the head, the face impassive and emanating command, the chilly blue eyes. The chilly reptilian film of concentration in the cold blue eyes, Jim. <laughs> the Halster's been having some trouble controlling his volleys. Personally, Jim, I think he'd be better off with his old mid-sized graphite stick than that large head the creepy Dumblock guy got him to switch to. 
It's nice being the younger player out there. He's grown up with the extra large head. A large head is all the darkness knows. You could say Stice was born with a large head, and that incondenses a man who's adapted his game to a large head. Hal's career dating back to before your polycarbonite resins changed the whole power matrix of the junior game, too, Jim. <laughs> and what a day for tennis. What a day for family fun of all kinds. This bud's for the whole family. It's the bud match of the week, brought to you. Incondenza even reported to have modified his grip, all to accommodate the large head. And by the multi-phasics family of fine graphite reforced polycarbonate resins, Ray. Jim, orthostice, impossible to even visualize stice without his trusty large head. It's all they know, those kids. <laughs> Delin <laughs> Delin hiked back onto an elbow on the tier above and told James Trolch to regulate the volume or he was going to take a personal interest in seeing Trolch suffer. <laughs> Hal bounced the ball three times, tossed, rocked farther back on, his, on the toss, and absolutely crunched the serve, spinless and wickedly angled out wide, Stice grotesquely off balance, lunging too far, and hitting the backhand cramped down the line and shallow. Hal moved into the service line for it, hunched and with his stick cocked up behind him, looking somehow insectile. Stice stood in the middle of the baseline, awaiting pace, and was helpless when Hal shortened the stroke and dribbled it at an angle cross-court, barely clearing the net and distorted with backspin and falling into the half-meter of fair space the acuteness of the angle allowed. Hal and Condenza has the greater tennis brain, Potrincourt said in English. Hal aced Stice down the center to go up either 2-1 or 3-2 in the third. The thing you want to know about Hal, babe, is he's got a complete game, DeLint said as the boys changed ends of the court, Stice holding two balls out before him on the face of his racket. Hal went to the towel again. The children along the bottom tier were leaning left and then right in tandem, amusing themselves. The apparition with the lens and metal pole was gone overhead. Okay. Okay, I see. Yes. What you want to know, watching juniors at this level, DeLint says, still back on an elbow so his upper body was out of sight and he was just legs and a voice in Steeply's cold ear. They all have different strengths, areas of the game they're better at, and you can drown in profiling a match or a player in terms of the different strengths and the number of individual strengths. I am not here to profile the boy, Steeply said, but in French again. DeLint ignored him. It's not just the strengths or the number of strengths. It's do they come together to make a game? How complete is a kid? Has he got a game? Those kids at lunch you got to meet, but not speak to. <laughs> the kid in the idiotic hat, Pemulus. Mike's got, <laughs> <laughs> Mike's got great, great volleys. He's a natural at net. Great, great hand-eye. Mike's other strength is he's got the best lob in the East Coast Juniors, bar none. These are his strengths. The reason both of these kids you're looking out you're looking at out here right now can beat the living shit out of Pemulus is Pemulus's strengths don't give him a complete game. Volleys are an offensive shot. A lob's a baseliner's weapon. Counterpuncher. You can't lob from the net or volley from the baseline. He says Michael Pemulus's abilities cancel each other out, which takes us to endnote two seventy five, using sonuler instead of the more Quebecois se détruire. Is that cancel each other out? Yeah, uh, just destroy each other. Destroy um, each other. Uh huh. Sonule is like is cancel, and uh, also on on you. Do the are the French? Do the French worry about uh, culture de sonule? Sorry. Do, are the French wor very worried about culture de sonule? Oh, the culture de sonule. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Je, je me. Uh, je, 
I'm trying to think of it. You canceled me. Vous me vous m'ennuyez. Je suis je suis ennuyé. I guess I'm canceled. Je suis ennuyé. How would you say we? J'ai j'ai dit un petit blague que les personnes ne ne l'aiment pas de tout. Yes. I told I told a little joke that people didn't like at all. Go on. Just a little blague. It does it does does it offend you? Yeah, remember, remember that? <laughs> oh uh, yeah, band of name? course. Uh, prescient, no. It's like most of the yeah. That's that it's basically uh, Ricky Gervais's career. Yeah, does it offend you? Yeah, he saw that band. He's like, oh, yeah, that's very good, there. <laughs> that's what I'll do for the next fifteen years. I could really build a set around this. I could. I don't know if that's Ricky Gervais' yeah. voice. Anyway, back to the text. Poetrincourt said in the other ear, Delint made the small salam of iteration. Pemulus's strengths cancel each other out. Now Todd Postlethwaite, the littler kid with the bandage on his nose from the soap and sour slipping thing, uh, Postlethwaite's also got a great lob. And while Pemulus had taken fr- uh, take him right now on pure age and power, Postlethwaite's the technically superior player with the better future because Todd's built a complete game out of his lob. <laughs> this Delint is wrong, Poutrecourt says in Quebecois, smiling <laughs> rictily across steeply at Delint. Because Postlethwaite won't come into net, Postle's weight hangs back at any cost, and unlike Pemulus, he works to develop the ground strokes to let him stay back and draw the other guy in and use that venomous lob. Which means at 14, his game, it will never change or grow, and if he grows strong and wishes to attack, he will never be able, Potrincourt said. Delint displayed so little curiosity about what Potrincourt inserted that Steeply wondered if he had some French on the sly and made a private ideogram to this effect. Postlethwaite's a pure defensive strategist. He's got a uh, gestalt. The game, the term we use here for a complete game is either gestalt or complete game. Stice aced Hal out wide on the ad court again, and the ball got stuck in an interstitial diamond in this chain link fencing, and Hal had to put his stick down and use both hands to force the thing out. Maybe for your article, though, the poop on this kid, the punter's brother. Hal can't lob as half as good as even Postlethwaite, and compared to Ortho or Mike, his net play is pedestrian. <laughs> but unlike his brother when he was here, see, Hal's strengths have started to fit together. He's got a great serve, a great return of serve, and great, great ground strokes with great control and great touch, great command of touch and spin, and he can take a defensive player and yank the kid around with his superior control, and he can take an attacking player and use the guy's own pace against him. Hal passed Stice off the backhand down the line, and the ball sh- looked sure to land fair, and then at the last possible second, it veered out, an abrupt tight curve out of bounds, as if some freak gust came out of nowhere and blew it out, and Stice looked more surprised than Hal did. The punter's brother's face registered nothing as he stood at the ad corner, adjusting something on his strings. But perhaps one does attain this, to win. Imagine you. You become just what you have given your life to be. Not merely very good, but the best. The good philosophy of here and Stitt. I believe this philosophy in Enfield is more Canadian than American, so you may see I have prejudice, is that you must have also, so to leave to one side for a moment the talent and work to become best, that you are doomed, which takes us to endnote 276, using the Vulgate Quebecois transpersant, whose idiomatic connotation of doom Pochincourt shouldn't have had any reason to think the Parisians speaking steeply would know, 
which is the slip that indicates Potron Quartz figured out that Steeply is neither a civilian soft profiler nor even a female, which Potron Quartz probably known ever since Steeply lit his flander fume with the elbow of his lighter arm out instead of in, which only males and radically butch lesbians ever do, and which together with the electrolysis rash comprises the only real chink in the operative's die staff persona and would require an almost professionally hypervigilant and suspicious person to notice the significance of. I feel like these footnotes are trying to tell us something about this Potrincourt character. Uh, what's that old Mad Magazine uh, uh, co- comic that used to be? Spy versus Spy. Spy versus Spy. Back to the text. That <laughs> 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 You are doomed if you do not have also within you some ability to transcend the goal, transcend the success of the best if you get to there. Steeply could see off in the parking lot behind the hideous, bulging, neo-Georgian cube of the community and administration building, several small boys carrying and dragging white plastic bags to the nest of dumpsters that abutted the pines at the parking lot's rear, the children pale and wild-eyed and conferring amongst themselves and casting anxious looks across the grounds (laughs) at the crowd behind the show court. Then, Pochincourt said, and for the ones who do become the Etoiles, the lucky who become profiled and photographed for readers and in the USA religion make it, they must have something built into them along the path that will let them transcend it or they are doomed. We see this in experience. One sees this in all obsessive goal-based cultures of pursuit. Look at the yeah, job. I mean, I feel like <laughs> if I had the strategy, like basically as soon, if, if, like if I was in the position to be like a young tennis player, you know, that the thing that they were talking about earlier, you get the one or two wins and then everybody loves you. Mm-hmm. Just like immediately you're like, great, this tennis thing is great, but what I really got to do is become a media personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that, because it's like, you can get bad at tennis, but once you start like appearing on TV on like NBC Sports, mm-hmm. introducing things, you can do that for 70 years. Yeah, I mean, that's where Tr- Trolch is kind of a genius that he knows he's not yeah. good enough to get the show or be in the show for very long. So. But if you can... Taste it for a second and then immediately start, uh, you know, commenting on it. Uh, that's where the real money is. Yeah. You wear a suit. You get on, get on TV and say, that was a fine game, game of tennis. They this really butt's hit the, for you. <laughs> <laughs> this butt's for you. <laughs> the bud game of the week. Uh, uh, yes. Back to the, yes. Back to the text. Uh, where am I? Oh, look at the Japonois, the suicide rates of their later years. <laughs> this task of us at the Enfield is more delicate still with the Etoile. For you, if you attain your goal and cannot find some way to transcend the experience of having that goal be your entire existence, your raison de faire, which takes us to note 277, trois rivières region idiom, meaning basically reason to get out of bed in the morning. Back to the text. Uh, so then, one of two things we see will happen. Steeply had to keep breathing on the pen to keep the point thawed. One, one is that you attain the goal and realize the shocking realization that attaining the goal does not complete or redeem you, does not make everything for your life okay as you are in the culture, educated to assume it will do this, the goal. And then you face this fact that what you had thought would have the meaning does not have the meaning when you get it and you are impaled by shock. We see suicides in history by people at these pinnacles. The children here are versed in what is called the saga of Eric Clipperton. (laughs) With two Ps? Just so. Or the other possibility of doom for the Etoiles who attain. Oh, God, I forgot about Eric Clifferton. That's such a funny... What a baddie. So, uh, is there a fan a art of Eric idea. Clifferton, or is that... <laughs> I guess, you know, bringing a gun into a school these days is yes. like maybe not something you want to glamorize. No. 
He didn't really bring it to a school, though. He, oh, yes, he, he did. It. Yes, he did. He okay. brought it to a tennis academy. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> it's different. A different. Yes. He, it was they, for non-offensive reasons as well. Yeah. They attained the goal thus and put as much equal passion. Oh, ah, God. You want to pa- yeah, pause, pause it? it. <laughs> okay, back. Sorry. The buzzer. The you, buzzer. Under- you understand. All right. Uh, where where am I? Um, They're talking about Eric Clifferton. Uh, the other possibility of doom for the etoiles who attain. They attained the goal thus and put as much equal passion into celebrating their attainment as they had put into pursuing the attainment. This is, is called here the syndrome of the endless party. The celebrity, money, sexual behaviors, drugs, and substances. The glitter. They become celebrities instead of players. And because they are celebrities only as long as they feed the culture of goals, hunger for the make it, the winning, they are doomed. Because you cannot both celebrate and suffer, and play is always suffering, just so. Uh, I think that uh, Andre Agassi uh, solves that dialectic by both celebrating and suffering yeah. at all times. Yes, celebrating is suffering. Our best boy is better than Hal. You'll see him play tomorrow if you want. John Wayne. No relation to the real John Wayne. A fellow compatriot of Terry here. Uh, Aubrey Delint. <laughs> Aubrey Delint was sitting back up beside them, the cold giving his pitted cheeks a second flush, two feverish Harlequin ovals. John Wayne's got a gestalt because Wayne simply got everything, and everything with him's got the sort of pace that a touch artist and thinker like Hal just can't handle. This was the founder's philosophy, too, of Doom, the punter and Condenza's father, who I, I also, I am being told, dabbled in filming, steeply asked the Canadian. Potrincourt's shrug could have meant too many things to note. I came after. M. Stitt, his different goal for the Etoiles is to walk between these. Nor did Steeply quite notice the woman's shifts between dialects to map out some path between needing the success and mockery making of the success. Delint leaned in. Wayne's got everything. Hal's strength has become knowing he doesn't have everything and constructing a game as much out of what's missing as what's there. Steeply pretended to arrange the cap but was really adjusting the wig. It all sounds so awfully abstract for something so physical. Potricourt shrug pushed her glasses slightly up. It is contradictory. Two selves, one not there. <laughs> M. Stitt, when the Academy founder died, the punter's father, who dabbled in films, Steeply's raglan sweater had been his wife's. That's <laughs> funny. Again, nodding blandly, Potricourt. This academic founder, M. Stitt, tells that this founder was a student of types of sight. The lint said... Wayne's only possible, uh, po- Wayne's only possible limits being also his strength, the tungsten steel will and resolve, the insistence on opposing, imposing his game and his will on his man, totally unwilling to change the pace of his game if he's not doing good. Wayne's got the touch and the lobs to hang back on an off day, but he won't. If he's down or things aren't going his way, he just hits harder. His pace is so overwhelming he can get away with being uncompromising about attack against North American juniors. But in the show, which Wayne will go pro maybe as soon as next year, in the show, flexibility is more important, he'll find. What do you call a humility? Potrincourt was looking at Steeply almost too carelessly, it almost seemed. The studying was not so much how one sees a thing, but this relation between oneself and what one sees. He translated this numerously across different fields, M. Stitt tells. <laughs> <laughs> The son described his father as, quote, genre dysphoric. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Potrincourt cocked her head. This does not sound like Hal and Condenza. Delint sniffed meatily. 
But Wayne's gestalt's chief edge over Hal is the head. Wayne is pure force. He doesn't feel fear, pity, remorse. When a point's over, it might as well have never happened for Wayne. Hal actually has finer ground strokes than Wayne, and he could have Wayne's pace if he wanted. But the reason Wayne is three continentally and Hal's six is the head. Hal looks just as perfectly dead out there, but he's more vulnerable in terms of, like, emotionally. Hal remembers points, senses trends in a match. Wayne doesn't. Hal's susceptible to fluctuations, discouragement, set long lapses in concentration. Some days you can almost see Hal, like, flit in and out of a match, like some part of him leaves and hovers and then comes back. The trolls person said, Holy crow! So, to survive here for later is, finally, to have it both ways, Thierry Puchincourt said quietly, in nearly accentless English, as if to herself. The emotional susceptibility in terms of forgetting being more commonly a female thing. Stitt and I think it's a will issue. Susceptible wills are more common to the top girls here. We see it in Longley. We see it in Millie Kent and Franny Unwin. We don't see this forgetful will in the Voths or in Spodek, who you can watch if you want. The trolls person said, could we see that ag- again, Ray, do you think? Steeply was looking at the side of Potrincourt's face as Delint on the other side was saying, but the one we see this most in is Hal. Great. Good place to stop? Yes. Great. Genre dysphoric. Genre dysphoric. Very funny. Um, what do you, uh, other than the, uh, the plot information we're getting conveyed in this, i.e. that... Uh, Put this Potrincourt could be, should be probably is another uh, undercover operative. Yes. Uh, what what do you what do you make of this this tennis game segment? Hmm. I mean, what what is there to say? The 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 stuff with Potrincourt is very funny because it is even if it wasn't explicitly implied that she is a Quebecois spy. Who mm-hmm. knows how many double crosses she's doing? By of the course, way. yes. Like, that's not clear yet. Um, but. Even just the way she acts, not spy like, is just like she she is like an insurgent, right? Yes. She like she's contradicting Delin, for example, and uh-huh. being like he's wrong. Like yes. this this guy, like it, I don't know if Potrincourt is like the ultimate tennis understander, like someone who <laughs> the tennis whisperer. The t- yeah, like it it almost seems like uh, and she's clear she clearly vibes with Stitt and Stitt's whole thing. I think it's like a retelling of the Stitt the Stitt chapter from a million years ago. At this oh point yeah, of yeah. Like, you teach your kid like it's self-forgetting in order to like transcend tennis. You both have to be aware of all of the like flashy stuff on one side of like a successful tennis career. And you have to be aware of the ultimate suffering of playing the game of tennis. Yes. And you have to walk between those two you lines. To, yes. You have to live on the court mm-hmm. all the time. You have to and pitch that's a the thing the at court. the end where it's like if, if you're in your head, you're not going to be as successful. Yes. Hey, it's like Top Gun. Don't think. Don't think, just do. But what Potrincourt, I feel like, might be saying is a contradiction of Delint, which is Delint is like, John Wayne, he doesn't feel fear. He doesn't have, he doesn't you know. He doesn't feel anything. He doesn't feel anything. He's all, he's all just bl- blasting out there. Yeah. And Potrincourt literally just said, like, yeah, but if you act like that in in the game, like, you have to also forget yourself or you also won't be successful. He, he's still a kid. Yeah, yeah. He's a, seven, he's a 17-year-old boy. Maybe he's 18 now. It's a, I don't know. So yeah. there's there's lots of like game, get ready for some game theory. <laughs> yes. I mean, as always, I, I assume that, you know, all of this is a, uh, you know, just a way to expound on, on the, on human nature. What is the, is tennis just life? 
Yeah, it could be. You got to leave it all on the court. Well, so thinking about the what they bring up of just the idea of like if you focus on success and achievement and then you achieve it, you will find only a hollow yeah. goal. And I agree with that. Yes. I'm so have you yeah, maybe have you ever like accomplished something and then been like excited about it or are you immediately discontent and ready to do the next thing? Uh more of the latter. It's it's more like each accomplishment uh is only uh, only exist to set up the next accomplishment i f- i feel that's similarly ambition yeah <laughs> that's, that's called ambition. well i just think you know even if like i you know publish something that i've been working on mm-hmm. the working is the fun the publishing <sighs> the it is, is like the, the worst part the action is the juice yes the 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 consummation of success is the worst part of the process for yes me. yes yes and uh, I have to remind myself of that, that actually what's fun is doing the thing. Also, if you meet really successful and well-adjusted people, I mean, they might take pride in their work, but I feel like most well-adjusted, really successful people are not well-adjusted because of their success, especially professional success. It's because yeah. of like other things in their life. It seems like professional success is designed to undermine everything yeah. that is like good about being human. Yes. And, people who, and if you meet people who live on entirely within their professional success, yeah. even if they project satisfaction, uh, often seem uh, either like American psychos or um, repressed depressives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that is a a good thing to yeah. think about because yeah, the, I don't know. I also the the sunsetting of the girl boss is nearly complete. The that, sunset, yes. So that, that was a the a, era of the girl boss. The era of the girl boss has passed. Yeah, the the idea the, that all the girl bosses are getting onto the gray ships and sailing away to. <laughs> For real though, yeah. like they're all having babies or like they're doing like moderately less. Sorry, my one of my favorite girl bosses is Audrey Gelman, who uh, was one of the co-founders of The Wing, which yes, is the of course. Uh, ladies, ladies. It was only. The, gr- the girl boss hive. That's where all the girl bosses that's were supposed all, to meet. That's the ultimate. Uh, the ultimate girl boss move is creating a space for other girl bosses to assemble. Yes, uh, it's just too bad that everyone had to be so goddamn racist there. Uh, but she has opened a store now. This lady. Uh, who, and it's uh, it's near us, and it's like a country store with like you know sixty nine dollar plates or whatever, nice. uh, meant to evoke like a fictional small town. Yeah, with like like a it's like fake beacon. Store. Yeah, they like wrote like a like Hudson Valley backstory for it, and I kind of want to go to the store just to look at it and go ha ha. But uh, I'm sure they have nice trinkets there. Smith Street has nice little gift shops. They do. Anyway, that that's what the girl bosses are doing now. They're softening. They're getting more trash. Did you see that one of the reasons that Sheryl Sandberg uh, left Meta is for like misappropriation of Meta funds, like using company funds to pay for her wedding? That's interesting. I did not know that. That that's is girl mi- boss shit. Well, I was going to say, that's some boy shit. That's yeah. boy boss. Yes. But girls are like, how do I use my emotional ma- manipulation to get my workers to do my bidding? Yeah. Well, how do I use my feminine wiles to uh, basically fuck people over? And men are like... How do I spend money that I is not it's technically not mine? mine? <laughs> so that's the real honestly that's the real uh, thing that girl bosses need yeah. to do is start start uh start acting like men for real. No, me- men are like, "Have you seen my new business card?" Uh, have you seen the font on my new business card? It's silly and rail. <laughs> uh did did Foster Wallace and uh what's his name ever interact? Who? Uh American Psycho guy, Brett Easton Ellis. Brett Easton Ellis. David Foster Wallace. Brett Easton Ellis. And he, uh, you know, he flowered competitively after Brett. I feel like 
by the mid nineties, like Brett was Brett a was little art. washed. Yeah. Yeah. By the late night. Yeah. I need to listen to his podcast. I think I would actually really like it. Yeah, his podcast is supposed to be quite good. He's one, he's some, one of the great minds. For some genuine psycho shit. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I just hope nothing gets, you know, in the Marilyn Manson tradition of being like, it's not me, it's just my character, it's just something I channel. And then at the at, near the end of his like waning powers, you're like, oh, wait. Oh, he, he was actually, actually like, he was a for real cannibal. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's not a similar situation with Freddy's and Ellis, where he like owns a guy or something. Yes. He has a man who lives in a box in it, his house. If anyone read his, I believe it was his last book. At, was it called Imperial Bedrooms? Uh, that sounds like something. Uh, the stuff in there is like pretty, pretty nasty. So, yeah, let's ho- let's hope he's not a real uh, ps- psychopathic cannibal uh, <laughs> who who likes to own people, own and hunt people. Yes, for uh, all of our sakes. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that he's just uh, the cl- classic male writer. Speaking of. Yeah, I feel like we're just on the errata portion of this. Uh, they announced a new season of, of True Detective. Starring uh, Jodie Foster as an Alaskan cop, wonderful, solving a mystery in the middle in the part of a, a northern Alaska night that where night lasts forever. Cool. Uh, sounds good. Love True Detective. Disappointed that Nick Pizzolatto only has executive producer status on it. It is not, in fact, like head writer or on the writing staff because I feel like, for better or worse, what makes that show good is Nick Pizzolatto's like insane, Deranged, like, yeah, like. Uh, like I am the writer's writer. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Like, the the best one of the best male writer picks ever is that picture of him ripped smoking a cigarette shirtless by the pool. Yeah. Uh, that he posted on Instagram, being like, "This is where the truth of writing occurs." <laughs> like honestly, I would I would love that. That that is so the energy jealous. that I need in True Detective. Yeah. Uh, the the reclaiming of writing as like a ma- masculine. specifically masculine thing to do, I think, is actually very funny. We need like a Gen Z writer who like one of those. Sh- it would like the best thing that could happen for literature is if like one of those Gen Z like ripped TikTok boys like wrote a novel and it was through pure like dumb genius good and then they became like a guy who smokes cigars and like talks about the power of the word that would be funny i like him himbos should start writing yes they should start expressing themselves through they're honestly a lot of fiction is being created on tiktok via yes. these, these those hunts. guys like inventing they situations like, they like inventing situations and then acting them out uh inventing situations that's up from uh the one of the best talking head songs that's about uh, how you find TV boring, so you write your own shows. Cool. Found a job. Now that everybody does that, that's a very prescient song. Yeah. Wow. Everyone's writing their Inventing own show. situations that are better than TV. <laughs> TikTok uh, is better than TV. Yes. Everybody go find a um, go find Talking Heads Found a Job and listen to it today. Preferably one of the live versions, but not off Stop Making Sense. That's the worst live version of Found a Job. Uh, any of the other ones. The the talking the talking head has you're my talking head. We're, we're live in live head. in talking. I mean that's all we do. I'm, blo- I'm blocking commercial. out your body with my arm and seeing just a talking head right now. Yes. Um. Any anything else? Yeah. Any other? You had a theory about sports that you wanted. Yes. To okay. Basketball. I think I think I can pull this out of my no. asshole because I I did this in we talked about this in college as one of these uh-huh. like stoned conversations. I think there in sports. I think there are actually four ty- types of sports. There's sports, tests, games, and races. Okay. Let me elaborate. A sport is the most complex. That's like football, basketball. Yeah. Like where, where there's a complex set of rules set to of regulate rules. like a, a very specific 
play a with large like a, team yeah, yeah and that can be like the more basically the more complex a, a game is it becomes a sport and it creates like a culture with it yes I, uh, totally, I totally a game is something like tennis where it is like a, or badminton or ping pong sure or uh, excuse me table tennis is is ping pong is saying ping pong racist i have not heard that specifically but i'm sure some person it sounds like a that. slur it's a, it sounds like a culturally inappropriate slur. I do, it does, and I bet it has racist origins, but here's the thing that I will say to support it. In my mind, before I thought of any like racist anti-Chinese thing, I just always thought ping pong was the sound the of the sound ball, of the ball mix. mix, and I think it works on that level. Fair enough. Um, so that that's a game, and that's more. It's it is like chess made large, right? Yeah. Like it is. Uh, it's a, it's just a smaller version yeah. of a sport where there's like it's you versus like one other guy. Yes. A test is like uh the best thing I can use for a test is something like um high jump or like yeah all the field sports are field tests. sports where it's like yeah, who like, can uh yeah, javelin um. You know the shot put, the, bar, the jumps. The yeah. bar is currently at six five or whatever. Can you get over yeah, yeah. it or not? That's Sprints, the test. Uh, like all tr- basically all track and well, field. Well, no, are no, tests. Th- those are races. Well, the individual sprints, you know, like individual hurdles. I I would still call that a race. A race is a a group of people and who can do the thing. But they're first. individual hurdles where you're just trying to beat a time, right? I don't think I don't think so. Really? I, I have no idea. Well, if you're just okay, if it is a, a a race where you're just trying to beat a time, like who gets the best time doing that's this not thing? a thing. Okay, great. Well, <laughs> maybe I made this up. The the race is whoever is fastest, not who can run faster than fifty seconds okay, or whatever. Fine, whatever. Uh, so that uh, another uh, but like bobsled, that's a race. Uh, downhill skiing and stuff, that's a race. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out where I put um gymnastics and um figure skating. I want to say I put that's it in test. test. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think it's a test. Te- I think it's test. That almost might be a different category because that's more artistic than any yeah. other thing. But anyway, what do you think? What do you think of my game theory, my uh, sport theory? I think that that's correct. I think that's a great way to categorize sports. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to really think. It of also yeah. it also solves the problem of whether NASCAR is a sport, and I say it's a race. It's a race. Yes. Well, it, I mean, it's a car race. Yeah. But it, but people, you know, people. That's been a thing of it's not a real sport. They're in a car. And it's like, yeah, well, it's, it's well, yeah. it is a sport. It's a race sport. It's just think of a car as the, a, a gigantic football helmet with wheels. I'm I'm thinking of that right now. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, it protects you. It protects you. And it makes it's you the equipment fast. that you use. Yeah, it's like a tennis racket in a way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a race car is like a tennis racket. Are there? I'm trying. Are there any sports or or uh, things that can break my theory? Um. Uh, sound off in the comments I'm trying to think if there's any uh, I, f- I feel like there might be some overlap in the game sport distinction mm-hmm. that could maybe be in some gray zones okay how about this there's what, what about ga- sports that have overtime versus games that don't I don't see why that would change anything oh. or do you think it's the same concept yeah, being think- tied and then playing until there's a tiebreaker yeah I don't know. We I, I guess so. dictated by the rules of sport. Maybe maybe there's just sports. Maybe there's no games. <laughs> I, I get the distinction, though. Yeah. Because tennis is definitely categorically distinct from something like baseball. Yeah. Uh, or even I'm thinking even like basketball. Yeah. Like basketball, I feel maybe I'm speaking too out of turn, but I feel like there's less psychology in basketball. It's like, let's get the fucking ball in the hoop. I run get, some plays. Yes, yeah, run some plays. Uh, but the goal ultimately is is to just just hoop. Just hoop. Just just get ball, that hoop. Ball in is it. life. Fuck it, we ball. Fuck it, we ball. All right. 
Bye, everyone. Bye.